Hi, friend. You are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, After having been through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys with you. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And I'm excited that you're listening in for season five, where we've been starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and faith. And so this month, we've been featuring my German exchange daughter, Leone. Leone shared in the first episode this month about her growing up in Germany the new experience of coming to the U.S. and encountering Christians. And also she talked about some of her biggest questions and obstacles related to faith. We've also had some wonderful conversations this month with special guests. And also for those of you who didn't catch them, we had some great talks back in June when Leonie stood in for, uh, so to speak, for Tati during that month's episodes. You can listen to those conversations on your favorite podcast app or go directly to findingsomethingreal.com where you'll find other things like free resources and occasional blog posts and also how you can financially help support this program. Um, You can do that through Patreon and find out more about that and everything else over at findingsomethingreal.com. If you like this podcast, I'd love to hear from you either directly or with a review on Apple. That would be fantastic. At Leone... Um, unfortunately, I couldn't convince her to be here today, and <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but as we're recording this, she's preparing for her graduation from her American high school tomorrow. Um, you may remember that back in May, her and I had a conversation with a special guest from Austria. We had such a great time talking with him that we invited him back on immediately after that conversation. And he graciously accepted that invitation. So today's returning guest is a speaker and ministry leader who's currently in Austria. He works for Campus for Christ, uh, for crew, uh, where he's working for an apologetics ministry there named Profundum, which is focused on building bridges and dialogue between Christianity and secular perspectives to show the truth and relevance of Christianity for the world. I mentioned before that our missions seemed pretty similar, and I'm super excited to welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, Gernot uh, Zeilinger. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> pronounce your name right. Gernot, welcome back. Name. It's a terrible name. My ancestors did <laughs> nothing about English-speaking people when they came up with this name, so I apologize for my name. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> what does it mean? What does Gernot mean? Um, it's a... It, so my, my parents explained to me, so... Gea mean it's like a spear 
and node is like in in an in emergency so it's it's the one who comes with a spear in an emergency it's an oh, old germanic wow. name like a hero like you're a hero that's what your yes, name means i mean that's at least that's what name is supposed to mean so yeah but that's it's, really cool it's a good name. Yeah, yeah i like it too sounds like a viking warrior coming to rescue or something like that yeah. that's not what i look like though but people <laughs> won't know that so you never <laughs> need to apologize to <laughs> never apologize for that name <laughs> I love finding out people's uh, name meanings because when my husband and I had our four kids, we were really intentional with each of the names and their meanings, you know. So um, for those who didn't listen to the previous uh, episode that we had a few months ago, would you share a little bit about your ministry? About the ministry? Yeah, sure. So um, I work for, as you said, I work for for crew in Austria called Com- Campus for Christ. And my ministry specifically within within crew is that I started a ministry that is focused on building bridges between, um, on one hand, between culture and Christianity. So what I do is I analyze movies and look at them through a Christian lens. And the other thing is similar to what you're doing. I invite Christian speakers and non-Christian speakers to, to share about the reliability of the Christian faith. So I mm. have, for example, university professors speaking about the resurrection um secular and non-secular professors or i have uh, people speaking about climate change different christian perspective all about climate change to see is it relevant to tackle those those 21st century issues is christianity even relevant on, on all those topics so that's the main goal is to have great conversations about faith just like like you are doing Cornell, um to encourage people to have great conversations around topic and to see how how jesus actually is true and relevant for, for our age and for our time yeah. How how do you get uh, people who are not believers to come to events like that? Um, what What's your strategy in inviting people? <laughs> um, so if I, if I, usually I, I invite them to have, um, I mean, most of them that I invite have a perspective they want to share. I mean, if they, if they're atheists, they, they want to share mm-hmm. why they think that's persuasive or if they, if they're a secular university professor, they want to share why they think it, what they think is persuasive. I think, I, I think you can't have, it's impossible to not have faith, basically. It's impossible to not want to tell a narrative, a story. I think I want to, I mean, there's obviously people who, who don't care about those issues. I, I, w- I wouldn't invite those because they don't want to share something, but there's people of, of all kinds of different faiths who want to persuade. Um, and I would like them to, to be able to, to give them a fair hearing and to be in conversation with others. So yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. But it depends on the topic. I when I, when I had the climate change conversation, I would I would love to have somebody from Fridays for Future on, but they didn't want to come on because they said, well, I don't want to mix in a faith conversation. So it, it depends on the topic. Obviously, people mm. really want to come. Mm. Do you feel like you uh, have a hard time getting people who are not already believers to come to? The things that you put on or is it not that hard where you're at it, it i think it's, it's it depends really on the topic i think with climate change it was difficult with sexuality it was difficult <laughs> um with other topics like um, historical topics reliability topics it's less less difficult oh, um, interesting yeah you'd almost think it would be the opposite that the hot topics would draw more people but maybe people just yeah, didn't want to hear I, it <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be because people feel like ah, it's, it's Christianity is so irrelevant. I don't want to even like give it a, give it a fair hearing. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, um, just prior to us pressing record, uh, we got to spend a little, <laughs> like five minutes with Leoti, um, who is here and she's downstairs right now. She probably can hear my voice if I talk loud enough. Um, but as you know, Garnot, uh, and thank you for being gracious about this, but she came on and she shared about where she's at right now in her faith journey, um, which is quite different from back in May when we first uh, started recording these. Um, because back then, and I was re-listening to some of the episode we recorded with you on my way home today, um, but she, you know, she has some intellectual barriers to, to faith, some things that uh, she wanted answers to or wanted to think through. Um, and since that episode um, that we recorded back in May, um, she's had some great conversations. I think she said mm-hmm. to both of us that she's talked to about five people at this point. Um, all of those people shared excellent reasons for faith. Mm-hmm. And one by one, I think, and she can correct me if I'm wrong, but she said we could go ahead and talk about her. So I have full permission. Sorry, Leonie. <laughs> <laughs> I witnessed um, that. So I'm a, I'm a witness for that. You're a witness too. Yeah. Okay. We have yeah. permission. Um, one by one, those barriers, I think, have kind of been broken apart. Um, and she may not have put it this way, uh, but I think that's kind of disturbed some of her agnosticism. Um, and she came on here and she said she's feeling a little overwhelmed um, because she she doesn't necessarily want God in her life right now. And now she's got um, a worldview that she's not sure about anymore. <laughs> um, would that be fair from what she came on and shared us, with us? What do you feel like yeah, I'm representing I think that, that's her? that's a fair representation of what I've, what yeah. I've heard, yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that immediately, and I told her we were going to ask this, or I was going to address this, is um, <laughs> when she was sharing with me today, uh, earlier today, we got up at 6 a.m., we had a great conversation um, with Stephanie Roussel, uh, whose episode probably will air right before this. Um, but afterwards, she alluded to the fact that I pay her in coffee after early morning mm-hmm. podcast recordings. That's true. I kind of do. <laughs> I reward her. So we go <laughs> we go get coffee, and we're waiting in line, and I asked her what she thought. And we had this conversation, and one of the things that Stephanie Russell had said was, um, faith is kind of like or giving God a chance. It's like right now you're in this puddle, and mm. you could be in the ocean. Um, and your puddle might be kind of nice, but how would you ever know what the ocean's like if all you ever have mm. is a puddle, you know? And one of the things that Leonie shared with me is she knows now that there's an ocean out there, right? Uh, I don't think she's ready to look at it yet. <laughs> um, so uh, I'd, I'd love to talk about that because when she was saying all of that, I'm thinking not making a decision is making a decision um, obviously it's a journey, but what are your thoughts on that? And for someone like me who loves some, you know, obviously people in my life who are, are seeing that there's an ocean, but don't, aren't ready to make, um, a decision. I'm rambling. I'm sorry. Uh, what kind of advice no, I, would you I, give? I see point. Yeah. Yeah. I see it point, you know? Yeah. I'm like, that's a decision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I love the picture with the ocean. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's not a it's great a big, analogy. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's really, really beautiful. Um, I think, I, I mean, I agree with you, obviously. So I think that from, from, from my perspective, you, you said it's a journey, and I think a journey means you. As 
we sometimes have the imagination that we stand still on the journey. We can stand still and we have all those paths in front of us and we can basically sit down, not make a decision and then walk on. Whereas I think on a journey, usually, I mean, you can't sit in front of the crossroads for, for days and days and you want your journey to finish, you want to arrive somewhere. So I agree with you, not making a decision is always, um, always, uh, you can't make not, you can't make no decision, basically, it's always ending up being a decision. I mean, even if you decide on the crossroad to sit down and stay there, that means that you're not moving somewhere, you're just staying somewhere. And I think, as human beings, we are always in the process of becoming somebody. Um, and so I think making a decision for Christ actually means joining the process of becoming more like Christ. At the same time, I think sometimes um, decisions are being made for us and that could be a plus and a negative. Sometimes not, sometimes not making a decision could actually mean that means you're basically making a decision against something. And Jesus alludes to that when he says, you know, whoever is not not for me is actually against me in, mm -hmm. in one passage. So which basically means, you know, if I follow the path Christ, I, 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 I slowly move further and further away from the decision. But then funny enough and interesting enough, Jesus makes it quite the opposite statement as well. He says in another passage when, when the disciples ask, he says, whoever is not against me is for me. So sometimes the decision actually ends up... Um, moving you not making decisions actually already making a decision for something because you 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 you, you ponder so you're yeah i think it's, it's quite an interesting interesting phase to be in and i can i can relate to that in some in some sense on on two ways um i i, I always speak too long I also just no. interrupt me. i'll stop but there's, just go. There's, 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 there's two <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's two things that come to my mind one is um with my with my wife now i mean we are, obviously you have to make a decision for somebody to become your wife i had at some point to ask my wife you know do you want to marry me and we had to go through a wedding ceremony um, and make that official but funny enough so me and my wife we are together since we are i think uh, since i was 18 and she was 16 mm. um that's in how long we are together it was summer of 2005 when we came together and basically we had the last day before school break so in also we have two months of school break we ended up meeting again so we haven't seen each other for six months at that point she was the best friend of my bed of the girlfriend of my best friend so that's how we met each other and so we ended up meeting and having a small date on the last day of school and then we ended up seeing each other basically almost every day for school break for two months but we were not officially together. So at the end of the school break, I think in the first week of school, we were like, people asking us like, oh, how long are you together? We're like, we're not together, but basically we are together. So yeah, <laughs> we, we might as well actually start saying we are together because we, ha we haven't made the decision, but like through our life's choices, we basically grew, grew and more and more closer to each other till we were at the point where we, where we made the decision. Mm. Um, and similarly, my journey to Christ was similar. I mean, I, I ended up, giving my life to Christ at a point where I seemed, I felt like all decisions had already been made. I mean, I already assented to the fact that, yeah, it's, it's historically true. It's, it's intellectually true. It's relevant for my life. And so I was sitting at one point like, okay, I might as well actually decide now for it now that mm. everything is a yes. So in some ways it could be that, um, that not making a decision leads you to a decision closer to a decision 
but in some ways it could also lead you further away if you if you if you shove it aside i think mm. i think if you stop engaging with it because you you feel like oh um i i i, I shove it aside i will make a decision in five years from now i'm, I'm living something else, that it probably ends up being not a decision again it probably ends up being a decision against it whereas mm. if you engage with it it's like I'm, I'm not ready yet but i'm still engaging more and more and more with it you might end up um turning back at some point like oh wow i i am actually already full fully in it in the in the whole thing so mm-hmm. i might as well and i've seen it with friends exactly that way i've seen friends who kept shoving a decision further and further away from them till the no was inevitable and i've seen people plunging more and more into it till a yes was inevitable so I think it's it, the, the main decision is, are you engaging with Christ? Are you dealing with him? Are you wrestling with him? Hmm. Because I think as long as you wrestle with Christ, as long as you journey, you're, you're probably already on the journey with him. And um, the question then is like, how long does it take you to say yes to something you've already said yes to? Um, and if you stop doing that, I want to always encourage you, keep on wrestling with Christ. Um, keep on, um, on, on journeing with him. Hmm. Um, does that make sense, Chanel? Yeah, um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm confusing all kinds of different pictures at the moment. No, it's good. I was just thinking, man, you know, one of the things that Leone said to both of us before uh, we pressed record was that she doesn't like the idea of becoming a Christian because of the name, uh, because mm. of uh, the connotations associated with it, of certain mm. rules that you follow. And, um, you know, I... It's hard when you when you talk with people who are on the fringes of faith, mm. people who are maybe in the same place as Leone. Excuse mm. me. Um, I mean, at a certain point, you just you have to let go, obviously. Um, mm. But do you talk about the eternal consequences of not making a decision? I mean, you do this uh, in Europe. <laughs> I'm just wondering mm-hmm. if that's a conversation that comes up if, if people ask you about heaven and hell and uh, mm. those kind of things. I, I what I find I mean my main concept to think about heaven and hell is actually um C.S. Lewis's Great Divorce um and I think C.S. Lewis does it brilliantly in, in in The Great Divorce where he basically ends up making the point that we just made that your decisions in life actually already form your eternal decision I mean your what 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 you're doing in your life if you choose forgiveness if you choose um trust if you choose um healing then that's what your ultimate destiny will be whereas if you choose against that if you choose to to hold grudges if you choose against that's what your destiny turn out to be in the other way so i, I do speak um i do speak about eternal consequences but less not in a turn or burn way mm-hmm. um <laughs> standing on the street call like make a decision repent right now or right but I, like you're saying like you, your decisions are already being made you're already right. forming yourself towards something and um i think that's such an important i mean one and that's it's not a christian saying but it's a saying that um i i think is very highly of is um now i have to think how to say it in english um because i only say it in german but be mindful of your thoughts because they they um they turn into your words. Be mindful of your words because they turn into your actions. Be mindful of your actions because they turn into your habits. Be mindful of your habits because they turn into your character. Be mindful of your character because it ends up being a destiny. Hmm. Um, 
So if you, I think if you, if you, if you try into the habits of grace, that's something, somebody who you become. And if you decide against the habits of grace and, and, and learning um, to live with the easy and, um, and life-giving um, path and, and yoke of Christ, um, that, that, that makes a difference. So I, I do speak about eternal consequences, but it, starting from the small decisions, not from, from, the, from the big decisions. Yeah, that's, that's how I, I approach it. Yeah. Well, what if someone comes to you and says, well, <laughs> you're not, I've lived a pretty good life. I mean, I'm mm. kind and grace-filled and, you know, forgiving, and I don't need God for any of that. So I mm. think I'm going to a pretty good place. Mm. How do you respond to that? <laughs> um, I'm glad for the person. I, I don't feel the same way about myself, so I'm... I'm... <laughs> I think I, I do have my own own struggles, um, but I don't want to um, talk anybody down on his, his self confidence. But I would probably say that we we have a, we have an the imagination that we have of of heaven is kind of like a theme park. It's a huge theme park where everybody enjoys themselves, and then God has his um, guards in front of them. And the question is like, who is allowed into the theme park? Am I allowed if I don't have faith? Are Christians allowed in the theme park? Are Muslims allowed in the theme park? And the question is like, what are the entry requirements and how do we make it to the theme park um, of eternity? Um, and I don't think that's what, what heaven actually looks like. In, 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 the, in Psalm 73, it says, um, who do I have in heaven but you and earth? There's nothing I desire but you. Um, and it basically speaks about the idea that heaven god himself is heaven there is no distinction between god and heaven and so when when god comes down on earth when heaven and earth are, are united at the end um and in, in, in the final step of eternity the question is really do you want god or you, do you not want god um do you want to be with him in eternity because actually forcing somebody to stay eternally with god would be helpful for them so there is there so it's just impossible for somebody i would say to mm -hmm. to have heaven if he doesn't want god because god is heaven and so you can't differentiate those two um and so i mean it's like i'm it's like saying i'm a very very nice person and i'm very decent and good looking so i must get a good <laughs> wife it's like doesn't make sense i mean because obviously there is a, there's two coming together. Do you want to love that person? Do you want to be together with that? And uh, we, we, as Christians, believe in a personal God. The question is, do you want that personal God? Do you want to be united with Him? Mm -hmm. um, and so mm -hmm. it's it's faith first, and then um, faith changes how we live li our lives mm -hmm. because we want to. Similarly, like with with marriage, I it's it's making a decision for for the partner, um, and afterwards I. In, in living together then we adjust our lives and we, we find out it's not you make up rules and then you say hey, can we both agree to those rules then let's move in together but it's um promising to go through all of that together and make the decision to get to live together to to be faithful together to marry each other um, and then following from that you start to develop a life together and similarly i think it's the relationship of, of um our lives and of Christ, I make a decision for God. Do I want to be with him? And then I figure out how how does actually life with God look like? The, the path of the disciple 
but I more and more grow closer and closer to him um, and closer to closer with him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love uh, that passage in Revelation where it talks about the eternal city and God being the sun. Uh, mm. There'll be no more darkness. You know, it's this beautiful visual of mm. um, just glory. <laughs> um, but how about you? I know you didn't come to faith until later on in life. I think you said 25. Your five-year-old daughter, if uh, I remember correctly, uh, started yes, asking yes, questions well about... <laughs> She started asking questions about what she was reading about God and some of the books I think you had laying around. Um, should have checked your library, I guess, before you let her read, right? And uh, suddenly you're on this, uh, you know, huh. And it's interesting because you were willing to to investigate. Uh, it, do you feel like there was something in your life at the time that you, and maybe I asked you this on the last podcast, I don't remember, but that you wanted something better because I feel like going back to that puddle and ocean analogy, if the puddle feels pretty great, like your life's going pretty good, things are pretty nice. Why would you look to see if there's an ocean? You know what I mean? So, so in in my life, I would actually say there's, there's two things that came together for me. I mean, obviously on the one end, it was truth question. On the, on the other hand, it was, I had a very clear set out goal. So when, when I became a father, I was 18. I had, I had not finished high school at that point. Um, I had a drug habit at that point. So I then tried to get my life in order. And I was very, very proud of myself. So most people told me like, you would, I mean, you're a teenage father, you will drop out of school. You're not, you're not going to make anything worthwhile of, out of your life. So I was very intent about actually getting my life in order, getting my life together. And so I made the goal, the decision, when I'm 30, I want to be a businessman. I want to be either in, in a very high paid management role, or I want to be um, in any other way successful. I want to be somebody who is respected. I want to show people that I actually got my life together. Um, and so I decided to, to work full time, make a career and finish and, and study. And so one of the main points in my, in my faith journey then was that I graduated in, in, a, in a very small rural high school where I could, um, I don't know, high school, um, college, um, my bit for my business degrees, where I could, that I could do it, um, alongside my full-time job. And I finished as one of the handful of best in my, in my class. And I, I, I it kind of felt like, okay, I achieved what I dreamed of. I achieved now, I have, I finished high school, I finished the university degree. I had um, significantly increased my salary over the last couple of years. I was on the path of, of, I was 25 at that point. So if I would stay on that trajectory, I would easily have made it, made it with 30 to, to be in a management role. Um, and it just felt like driving home from the ceremony at university. I, I just checked into this small Catholic church and sat down I felt like, what now? I mean, it, it's kind of like if you say the puddle analogy, it's like, okay, I've, I've enjoyed the puddle, now, now what? Now, I mean, mm-hmm. so, so it's actually not that I became dissatisfied in, in the sense of like, I had something hard, but it, I, I became dissatisfied from, it's, that, that can't be everything mm. that's, that, that is, um, life is about. 
So, um, I mean, C.S. Lewis uses a similar analogy than as I love that analogy. one. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. <laughs> Just got all excited for a second. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we could, we could, we could um, try to make the quote together. Um, but, <laughs> and you can correct me. But if I, if I have it right in my mind, it, it says, we're like kids in the, in the, in the, playing in the slums with, with mud because we can't imagine a vaca- what a vacation on the beach would look like. And we hold on to that, to that, um, to the mud we have, and to um, the mud castles we build because we we can't imagine a proper vacation. I think sometimes it is that way. We we feel very comfortable with the life we have. We feel like there can't be something greater and bigger out there, um, which is basically a question of faith. The question basically is: Then does God mean well with me if I give up what I have right now? If I give up the puddle? If I give up the the mud in the slums um, is what God is going to, to, is the life that God is offering me, a, a, a greater, a more beautiful life. I think the challenge with that is we to not misinterpret it in the, in the like, I, if I have a nice house, God is going to give me a bigger house because mm-hmm. that's not what it's all about. It's about a completely different vision of, 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 of a good life. So it, it looks that that's it, the interesting thing. Like the ocean looks like losing to the one who has the puddle, but it ends up being the greater thing. It, it ends up being something completely different. And as soon as you reach the ocean, you realize the ocean is what you truly wanted, what you truly desired. Mm-hmm. Um, and the puddle is com- looks completely undesirable to you now. Um, so it's. It might be a difference between like a puddle and uh, something completely different, like a, a I don't know. And let's say it's it's a puddle and it's it's mountains. You can't imagine like going up a mountain would be as nice as sitting on the puddle um, and enjoying yourself because it looks like hard work. You have to go up a mountain, you have to sweat. Um, but then if you reach the mountain top, you realize no, that's actually so beautiful and so joyful and so glorious um yeah 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 i love that and um when you were talking about you know achieving everything that the puddle had (laughs) to offer and realizing wait this is all there is it reminded me of that c.s lewis quote you probably know it where he says um something along the lines of um if i find in myself a desire that nothing in this Mm. world can satisfy perhaps the answer is that i was made for another Mm. world Yes, um, that's a, another famous quote, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, if you find yourself sitting in a puddle and finding it can't satisfy, <laughs> perhaps the answer is you're made for the ocean. There's an ocean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should send that to Stephanie Russell and say, this is your new quote. <laughs> um, what about when you, you became a Christian? You shared in the last episode that no one around you was a Christian. I mean, it was a new mm. thing. Um mm. You, your friends must have thought you were going crazy or something. I don't know. Mm. Um, first, were you ever tempted to go back? Um, and second, um, when they rejected what you believed and what you were so passionate about, um, how did you leave that in a way that... Because I know sometimes when people become a Christian later in life, I, I know for my mom, like she wanted mm. everyone to experience what she had. Mm. Um, and sometimes that zeal, uh, can mm. be, and I'm not saying this about my mother, but sometimes it can be like mm. very much like you have to, and bringing yeah. out like, 
turn or burn that kind of stuff right uh, that wasn't my mom but i'm just saying like <laughs> like yeah, you're desperate I, 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 yeah yeah i i, I made that experience i mean oh I, <laughs> my 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 parents and all kinds of friends were on the on the receiving end of that and i've, I've learned my lesson so yeah I, I came to faith and i was really 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 excited about everybody to know everybody to to believe that and i realized i mean i the, the th what I said last time is, as well is like in Austria, I think 75% of Austrians would say they are Christians um, because it's it's so deeply ingrained in our culture, but it does not. So the, the statistic in Austria is 75% call themselves Christians, whereas 50% in Austria only believe there's actually a God, which includes Muslims, this number. And I think only like 12 or 13 or 14% actually believe like Jesus actually was the son of God. So it's like there's, there's a, a lot of fake news it. about Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> To quote your your former boss, or maybe she still is, Yulia Gershagen. She told yeah. me that. <laughs> it's a lot of fake news here. <laughs> True. Um, and and so the, the one of the things was like, I, I immediately jumped to the conclusion, like nobody's a Christian. So I, if you tell people that think they are Christian, oh, you're not a Christian. You really have to believe in Jesus. They're like, well, what, what do you mean? I, I am a Christian. I And you, you come to the turn of burn and you're very, very... Um, I mean, I had no clue what I'm doing. I had no training. I was just very, very excited sharing what I, what I experienced and sharing it with everybody. And I saw a lot of doors getting um, shut and a lot of doors. Um, um, yeah, and it, a lot of opportunities being lost, but it ended up God being so gracious to me because mm -hmm. he, I mean, my wife came to faith within, within a year of me coming to faith. And then slowly... Um, I, I, I grew to become a, a bit more um, sophisticated in speaking, not like immediately in your face, share the, share the gospel with people. And I mean, it's so beautiful to me now. My, my, my mom, um, we, have, we have live stream services and she's, she's not missing any of the live stream services at the moment, um, watching them, sending me nice messages if, in case when I was preaching, like, oh, I really like, like, love that bit and I really like that bit. I started to have great, my, my brother was, I think, the most annoyed of me. And he, he really. <laughs> the CrossFit brother? But yeah, the CrossFit brother. <laughs> <laughs> he really avoided me about that topic. And at the moment, we have great conversations around faith. Um, because we started to read Lord of the Rings together and like, speak about Lord of the Rings together. And then all the religious symbolism in that then gave, gave me a very different way in, in, in presenting Christ to him. So, yeah, I, I've seen that. I, I, I think the, the thing is like the, there is there is more, there's better ways to speak about Christ than just go in your face, turn or burn, um, but actually invite people on this journey like, like you were doing in, in such a beautiful way. Um, and we've been tempted to go back. I think the most difficult part in my Christian walk, um, I mean, there's two difficult parts that I had. I mean, there's multiple difficult parts, but the most um difficult ones where I when I had the chance to go to Oxford to study there for the um, OCA program the Ox so it's a program for apologetics in, in, in Oxford um, and because nobody in my family was a Christian and I had, at that point I had a, a very nice job I was responsible for Eastern Europe subsidiaries the company I was working for that mm -hmm. had a well-paid business job and I decided to quit the job take my family my wife my kids move them to the UK and none of my family were Christians, so they were like, 
<laughs> what the heck? Are you completely <laughs> insane? What are you doing? And I had really hard conversations. I had my mom calling me at night crying. What a, what a terrible decision that is. I had my grandmother who um, had cancer um, in a very late stage telling me like, oh, if we're not going to see each other, that's your fault because you um, on this crazy Jesus path. Um, so at that point, I really, really felt like is something off off with me because of of faith. Is is there, is there something I'm, I've done wrong? And to really see Jesus work in that and actually bring healing in 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 that and actually every my grandmother still is still alive and mm-hmm. and to see all of them like saying, "Wow, that was the best decision that you made to go to Oxford," and now them being open to have faith conversations and now all of that happens. So that I think usually the most difficult um, times for me to still hold on to Christ um, came at once. And I mean, there's nothing more beautiful than being invited to go and study somewhere. And I mean, having the joy of like being accepted and, 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 and thinking like, oh, that's a dream that I always want to do. And then everybody challenging you. And then at that point, you feel like you're in the crossroads and then staying faithful to Christ, mm-hmm. trying to love the others, um, try to listen to them. I mean, my main response was not, um, arguing with them then about like heaven, hell, and why they should believe, but actually listening to their concerns, taking them serious, um, trying to um, show them that I, I do care about their concerns, but try to also show them what Christ means to me and why I think it's a it's a worthwhile path to, to follow him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at that point, I was really challenged. And then, um, yeah, the other one was... Um, when I was um, experienced some some disappointment about um, church and, and and all of that, yeah. Yeah. Well, I know I recently had a conversation with a Christian who um, she loves Jesus very much, and someone she loved was dying, and that person had repeatedly rejected Christ um, throughout uh, her life, and. Sometimes she would kind of, uh, you know, seem kind of interested and then most of the time not, you know, it was kind of a back and forth kind of thing. And then uh, that person died and uh, this Christian felt guilty. Like, what if I had just said it one more time, you know, that kind of thing, or, and kind of went back and forth on that. Um, and I think there's a lot of believers, and I know this podcast is primarily to young women and uh, those questioning faith, but... I get a lot of feedback from Christians who love those young women. Mm. And I think that there's a lot of people um, who, and I've, I've been guilty of this myself, where you feel like the onus is on you to share, Mm. to share and make sure that it's said Mm. accurately. And, and uh, did you, did I say it right? Were the right words, all this. Could you speak to that for a minute, Garnot? Because um, it's, I'm sure something you've experienced and uh, seen before. Mm. that that's a really really good question because i think that can be so crushing to to feel that burden of like i'm responsible for for people's um salvation for people's joy and and that's an impossible burden to bear um and i felt it obviously like the, when when i came to faith and i felt the responsibility but what 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 i love about there is a passage in in two Corinthians second corinthians um chapter five when when paul calls us god's 
fellow co-workers so we are invited to work with god um but he speaks about it's the love um, of god that's actually driving us forward in the chapter and he's, he's not it's not saying you're the one responsible but it's actually god is doing the work and he invites you to join in but it's not he's he's carrying the burden he's he's the one who do, is doing the persuading he's what we are just we are just invited to be vessels and we are invited to to um to partake in the joy of god and for me i mean when i felt the burden and when i felt the pressure of like oh, i really gotta share the gospel with those people and i'm responsible i always felt it made me more tense in those conversations it made me more um pressurized in this conversation made me more um yeah i mean people it was not just me feeling the burden that actually people then feeling the burden that i had as well like oh why is he so tense why is he so intense about those this topic whereas if, if when i felt like I can, okay i can release that to to god he's the one who's carrying the burden he's one the one who, who through his spirit and through his beauty and through his goodness is actually doing the um the work and i'm now invited to share in the joy that it releases me actually to 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 lift out that to live out that joy to enjoy um having the conversation with somebody to have a laugh with somebody and try to point them to Jesus with with that conversation. I mean, and it says in 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 another letter, epistle by Paul, it says it's the goodness of God that leads man to to repentance. So it's not the persuasiveness of an argument. It's not the the all the studies that I've done, the theology theology degrees, the perfect presentations, mm-hmm. the perfect Christian life that I'm living. It's the goodness of God that leads people to to um to turn to god which means that if i enjoy god's goodness it's easier for people to join into that to participate in that there's Mm -hmm. one um i don't know if that's practical for you for your listeners um but what i experienced as one of the most powerful ways that we we as a family could invite people to encounter crisis we we started to um, have a Saturday evening meal together as a family where we all come together and we sing a hymn together. Then we um, speak each other. So we, we um, invite everybody into the peace of God. In, and we, we read scripture, a scripture passage, we break bread. And then we have a beautiful meal. My wife is a brilliant cook and she she puts all her energies and all her joy of cooking into that meat on Saturday night. And sometimes we have guests and, and we invite them to try into, in that, in those, in those rhythms of um, Saturday night um, celebration. Um, and basically what we're doing is we're eating good food. We enjoy our company and we, um, we read a bit of scripture and, and, and pray to God. But people actually are more compelled, I feel like, or more open to listen to, to arguments that I'm having over a good um, meal and um, great family time than they would have if I would um, have a very tense conversation with them because they actually feel like, I mean, God is the giver of all good gifts. He gave us food to enjoy and he gave us um company to enjoy and can have a laugh and people are made for company and for fellowship and for friendships and i think that's sometimes way more significant than um feeling the pressure because then i actually can start to to share 
good and reasonable arguments for faith and good reasons for faith from a position of joy and from a position mm -hmm. of um, enjoyment of God. Um, yeah, yeah, kind of. And not desperation. <laughs> not a desperation. Right. And, and um, my, my grandfather is obviously not a, not a young um, woman, so he's not the target group. But I, I experienced that with my, my grandfather. I, when I came to faith, my grandfather already had dementia. So mm -hmm. he was not, um, you couldn't have great conversations about faith with him. And I really felt the burden of sharing the gospel with him and explaining it to him. And it obviously, obviously it, it, I felt very, very, um, yeah, powerless to do that because, I mean, he had dementia, he could not grasp what I tried to share with him. And I felt very desperate about that because he was declining and how could I reach out to him? And he, I mean, like most Austrian, Austrians, he grew up in, in traditional Catholic rhythms as a kid, but he hasn't been to church in, in ages and ages. So I remember I was the last one to see him before he passed away. Um, and the last thing that I did was I was at his bedside and he was so, um, yeah, his memory was so much gone that he couldn't remember to, to breathe anymore. So he had to, mm -hmm. to um, be on those machines. And the last thing that I did, I gave um, him my hands and I started to sing the Lord's Prayer. So the Lord's Prayer in German is, is be singing it as a song. And I mean, that just might be auto-suggestion, but he actually clutched my hands at that moment. Um, and I felt like, I, I, I don't want to make a you know, statement about his eternal, um, but like that was, so, that was probably the most meaningful faith interaction that I had with him. Mm -hmm. um, despite all my gospel sharing, to just hold his hands, sing the Lord's Prayer with him, and feeling like he's there's somebody, there might be somebody in there, in that in that um, shell of a of a man who is passing away, who is still responding. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, and that gave me great comfort, at least. Yeah, well, it, I mean, just to you know, advocate for the Christians here, which I don't do very often sometimes, but like, if you really believe what the Bible says, you know, there, there are eternal destinations and it is a, a scary thing, um, to think of your loved ones not being, uh, with mm, us, you know, is. in paradise. Mm. Um, but what I love is that God gives each of us the free will to choose mm. and, uh, it's our choice, you know, as individually, mm. Um, whether to, you know, follow after him or reject him. And uh, I, I had a thought about um, your previous episode because you were talking about the evidences for the resurrection. Um, and one of the things I was thinking about in preparation for this conversation and as we wrap up here and kind of getting back to Leonie and where she's at, um, you know, there's plenty of examples in the Gospels of people rejecting Christ, you know, and, yeah. and finding out what the cost would be to follow him and turning the other way. I think of the rich young ruler and how mm. Jesus gave him, you know, a hard line and he's like, <laughs> yeah, sad, uh, you know, yeah. and, and leaves. Um, but none of the disciples after Judas, uh, there's no record of any of them turning, right? They, once yeah. they had tasted the goodness of the resurrected Christ, they 
they were all in to the point where they were willing to sacrifice their own lives for the gospel. Why do you think that is, Garnot? Like, I'm sure it's speculation, but I, I think that you probably have some insight into this. Why is it that some people, there's a rejection of Jesus, even seeing him. And for some people, it's willing to risk everything. Oh, wow. That, that's a great question. It's particularly a great question because my, my immediate thought would be, it's just, I feel like as soon as you, I mean, let me, let me, let me back up. I mean, you spoke about the resurrection and there is one scene prior to the resurrection, which is quite similar to the resurrection, which is the raising of Lazarus when, when Jesus raises his dead friend. And it's basically probably apart from the resurrection, the greatest miracle that Jesus did. And there is um, obviously people that are amazed at Jesus raising a dead person, people that are leading in significantly closer. But then the last part of the passage is that the, um, the scribes and the religious leaders decide to get Jesus killed. So they see Jesus raising somebody from the dead and they take the completely opposite decision to, to what we are doing. So exactly like you said, there's people rejecting Christ because they don't want to um, have his authority over their lives. They don't want to have to follow in his paths. Um, I think what I, what I would think is from my perspective is I think as soon as you see the goodness and the beauty of, of Christ, I think it raises the stakes of leaving that aside. I think if I have a very, a very, let's say my, my main message is, okay, there's turn up burn. I'm afraid to go to, to hell. And that's the only reason why I, I, I really need a savior. So now I'm believing in Christ. Well, Yes, I do believe in Christ, but it's it's a very low bar. It's like, okay, it's, it's more or less my fire insurance, and it's a very mm. easy decision to let go of a fire insurance. Mm. Um, whereas if I, if I lean in deeper, and Christ is not just um, is not just my fire insurance, but he actually grows to be to my, he grows to be my friend, my mentor, my teacher, the one who is shaping my life. Now, leaving him becomes a significantly more difficult decision because. Would I abandon a friend? Would I abandon uh, my teacher, the one who has taught me my life? Well, it, now it becomes really, really difficult. So I think the, the deeper you lean in, the more, the, 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 I mean, obviously, she, who Jesus is in all his greatness, in all his beauty, in all his, all his ways extends um, our, our imagination, extends the way we can think, extends how we can describe it in words. But the deeper you go into Christ, the deeper you press into him, I feel like the less likely you are to, to abandon him. The, the lower your view of Christ, the lower your, your view of his goodness and of his truth and of his beauty, the easier it is to let go. And I think, um, and it, it's a, at the end of the day, it's a question of authority. It's like, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of the puddle because it's not just that the puddle is enjoyable and they can't imagine the ocean. It's, the puddle is mine. I own the puddle. I will never own the ocean. Mm -hmm. And it's similar with God. I don't have, if I make a decision for Christ, it means handing over my life to, to him, giving him my life, trusting him with my life. And that's a scary thought. If I mean, mm -hmm. 
I mean, I mean, if you, if you, if, 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 I mean, you, you, you can't counsel people, Chanel. You, you're, you're sitting down with people. You're caring for people. If somebody says, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm marrying this or that person," you would probably think, "Have you thought that through? You, you trusted that person with, with your intimacy. You trusted that person, person with, um, with your future. Are you sure?" And the same is true with Christ. We're, we're trusting everything we are, everything who we are. We are giving into His hands. And that, if we really, really want to do that, it it, it requires that we see His goodness. It see that it requires. That's why. That's why I'm not a big fan of turn or burn. But why think about eternal consequences is quite important. Like, do I want to follow those, this path? Do I want to walk with this person into an eternal place? Is that the one who I want to spend my my, my eternity with? Mm-hmm. Is that the one that I want to shape my life, my life's decisions? I mean, you said that prior to the interview, like um, following Christ changes my outlook on, on life, what I, what I think is, is worthwhile pursuing. Um, my, my, my biggest aspiration in life is not, um, not anymore becoming a, a, a company manager or making a lot of money and having a big house. I'm living in a flat now. I'm, I'm living as a missionary, so I'm living from, from donations. <laughs> That's significantly, I mean... It, I, I was thinking about that with my wife the other day. I was like, "That's actually quite humiliating." If I would, have, would have, if I would have thought about that ten years ago when I was in business, like I could hand out money, I could, I could, I could, I, w- I had significantly more money to spend ten years ago than I have now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel significantly um, more joyful and more um, at ease and more happy with my life where I'm at right now because Christ is—he's the true treasure. He's a treasure we are seeking, and he's the pearl we are we are um, looking for. And I think that's what it requires to to see him as treasure, to see him as as a pearl that's worthwhile giving up everything for. Mm. But it's only possible if 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 he. I mean, none of us would give up everything for a fire insurance. Yeah. Um, it's it's nice to have if you need it, but it, but having a pearl that's worthwhile everything that's great in mean, that's greater than gaining the whole world i mean jesus says what what can a man man what does it profit a man to gain his the whole world and lose his soul that, that means even if i would be offered world rulership it would be nothing compared to gaining christ to gaining um his love and his friendship and his um companionship but that's something we have to grow into and we have to lean into. Yeah. Well, I think it was in the Gospel of John, wasn't it, where Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you um, mm. and the one that whom you have sent talking to his mm. father. I mm. just think, you know, as we delight in him, mm. uh, we get to experience that, like you're saying, it attracts the world. It's the goodness of God that leads people to mm. repentance. Mm. And it's not, uh, you know... <laughs> desperation and fear, yeah. <laughs> uh, right? Because perfect love drives out fear. And um, so maybe that's encouragement to those of you listening who have someone in your life who maybe has rejected Jesus is to con- continue pursuing loving God um, because that's where the goodness is at, right? But a um, couple of final questions for you, Garnot. Um, Leone said that she would probably listen to this later. Um, I'm guessing she will. Uh, is there anything you would like to say to her directly as we wrap this up? 
I think um, from what you said, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very curious for the podcasts coming out and, and listening <laughs> to her journey. Um, so I don't, I don't know all the questions she asked Frank Turek and Abdul Murray and, um, and the whole um, puddle story. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, but what I would say, really say is lean in. I think Christ is, is worthwhile. And particularly with what you just quoted, like eternal life starts now. Your eternal decision is something that starts in you right now if you make a decision for Christ. Um, and if Christ is as, as good and as um, beautiful and as truthful as Chanel is claiming and all her guests are claiming, and then then actually waiting to to is is actually um, not a not a smart choice, but leaning in is a smart choice because it it means you can discover more um, and. The closer you get to Jesus, um, the more sense it makes to, to actually lean in. It's kind of like if you, I mean, I, I keep going back to the to the example of, of of a marriage, but it's like if 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 I see somebody's Instagram um, profile, it might be an interesting person, but it does not. Um, it's not really getting to know the person. If I have a date with a person, I get to know the person more. If I keep on meeting that person, I get to know it more and more and more. If I marry a person, or I mean, I should know the person by then, but then I, I, I grow into it more and more. And I would say lean in um, because you will discover more and more of Christ. And I would say um, you don't have to know everything from start. Making a decision does not mean um, that you are now a 100% perfect Christian, but it just means um, deciding to go on the, onto the journey and, and start journeying with Christ. I don't know how long my answer should be, but there's <laughs> one example I still go, have. Go I, I feel so bad for always giving way no, too long. No, not at um, all. But there is, um, but I'm in, in, in Lord of the Rings, um, which I also used last time when I was on. Um, Gandalf, the, the the wizard in Lord of the Rings, when when he when 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 the journey becomes more and more um, difficult, so it, it starts as this easy journey. They have just to take this ring to one place, and they don't know too much about it. But it gets more and more difficult, and at the end, it's like it's this this cosmic battle between good and evil that ends up happening. And Gandalf basically says, if they would have known, they sign up for a cosmic battle. Um, they would not have made the decision. Mm. It's they started on the journey, and the, the the journey grew bigger and bigger and bigger. So I would I would say, not only lean in, but you don't have to figure it all out, and you have, don't have to be a perfect Christian. But actually, just start on the journey, and and along the way, Jesus will um, change you, transform you, just change desires. But that's something um, that you you have to discover. I mean, I'm now not even 10 years a Christian and I'm a very different Christian than just five years ago. I'm hoping I'm a very different Christian 20 years from now. Um, and being a Christian is being on a journey. I mean, Martin Luther said being a Christian is not about being, um, it's not about being actually, but it's about becoming, um, mm. to summarize what he said in, in English. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, final question, Garnot. You got this one last time too. Everyone does it right at the end. 
the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love, all gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ. Which of those stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? I mean, we, 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 we realized last time that it's a trick question. Yeah. But apart from that, <laughs> after, after all of that um, conversation today about eternity, I think, yeah, I mean, our conversation today made me really think about eternity and about um, what, it, what it means um, to be eternally with God, to be eternally with the one who is the source of all goodness, of all truth, and of, of all beauty. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think thinking about that really makes me become more and more a person that then fits into the other three categories, but yeah. Yeah. And Jesus, I mean, you'll know this, the answer to this more than I. Didn't he talk about hell and heaven more than, I mean, a lot of other subjects? It was a pretty, yes, he did. if, yeah, if yeah. you want to know what, what the Bible says about heaven and hell, uh, look it up for yourself. We'll put links in the show notes. Garnot, mm. thank you so much for being back on here. If people want to know more about your ministry, where can they find you? Um. Yeah, they can find find us on Instagram. They can find us on um, on YouTube if they don't mind the German. I mean, almost everything we do is in German. So, <laughs> well, but if, if you're it's German, okay for people. if they want to hear German apologetics, they can find us on YouTube. They can find us on Instagram. Um, yeah, we recently had an interview with Sam Orbury, and oh, so there's fun. bits and parts in English in that because we subtitle him in German and we we speak in between in German, but he speaks English, so. If people want to bear through German and then have English bits and pieces, they are available on the YouTube site as well. Awesome. He's one of the people I want to get on here one of these days. Mm. Garnot, thank you so much for being here. Until next time. Thank you so much, Chanel. Yes, until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.